Welcome to the Dr. Dez Says It's All Your Immunity podcast. Why do vaccines take so long to make? Part 3. The type determines the time. By the end of the year 2020, two messenger RNA vaccines, also called mRNA vaccines, from Moderna and from the collaboration between Pfizer and BioNTech, will be the first COVID-19 vaccines authorized for use in the United States and other countries around the world. But this vaccine took a remarkably short time by vaccine development standards from inception to public distribution. But why? A lot has to do with the type of technology used to make the vaccines. We will delve deeper into how these vaccines are made and compare them to previous vaccines and processes used now and in the past. mRNA vaccines are a new type of vaccine to protect against infectious diseases. Instead of using a chemically altered and weakened virus or a killed virus to trigger an immune response, mRNA vaccines instead teach host cells how to make a protein or even just a piece of a protein that triggers an immune response inside the host cell. That response, which produces antibodies, is what protects the host from getting infected if the real virus enters the body. Traditional approaches to vaccine include making attenuated or weakened virus-based vaccines, killed versions of pathogens, inactivated toxins, partial subunits of the pathogen, or combinations of strong and weak antigens called conjugates. These more traditional vaccines involve development and mass-scale procedures that are long, complex, and costly in development and production as we have discussed in part two of the series, Why Do Vaccines Take So Long to Make the Process to Approval? They also expose a host to the actual pathogen and that exposes a host to an uncontrolled immune response or unknown side effects. Scientists hope that with mRNA vaccines, they can have a vaccine with a precise target for a controlled interaction that lessen these chances of uncontrolled immune response and the side effects. But before we delve in, let's take a look at the scientific background of these new vaccines. And for that, we'll have to review basic molecular biology. I promise I will be gentle. (laughs) 
Inside our bodies are molecules called cells. They house the basic needs of our body to help it function. Among the things they house is a small organelle called the nucleus. In it is the basic genetic material or code of life called DNA or deoxyribonucleic acid. And just like a computer program code, it holds the instruction or blueprint for every facet of your physical being. The building blocks of this physical being, or let's say the framework, are proteins. So how does the body get from the code or the blueprint to the actual framework? The answer is an intermediary called messenger RNA. RNA standing for ribonucleic acid. The DNA code in the nucleus holds the blueprint that will be the basis for the protein. However, the code needs to be translated into the language of the building blocks of the protein. That is where the messenger RNA comes in. DNA code is transcribed into RNA with a few chemical edits. This RNA, in turn, translates the code into the amino acids that form proteins. But it's not just humans that use this system to build its physical being. Viruses do, too. In fact, all living things do this. Viruses, though, either package DNA or RNA as the code to build its framework. So in the case of SARS coronavirus 2, it packages RNA with the instructions to build the parts of its physical being, such as the parts that dock onto a host cell, the parts that infiltrate the cell, the parts that help it translate its genetic material, and the parts that replicate the virus inside host cells. Many of these parts elicit an immune response from its host. That is the basis of how vaccines are made. Scientists often chemically alter a virus to make it less virulent or kill it. All of this in hopes that the immune system will recognize this part of the virus as dangerous and foreign, and we'll call this part antigen, without the virus being able to cause great harm to the host. But there can be dangers in exposing a host to any part of the virus. We have touched on some of these in part two of this series, but briefly, you may not have adequately killed the virus, or you may have unforeseen side effects. That is where the new COVID-19 messenger RNA vaccines come in.
Now we will take a closer look at how COVID-19 messenger RNA viruses work. COVID-19 messenger RNA vaccines give instructions for our cells to make a harmless piece of what is called the spike protein. This spike protein is the surface projections that gives the coronavirus its name. From the microscopic images, the projections or spikes look like the crown on the virus, hence the Latin name corona for crown that becomes coronavirus. The spike protein is found on the surface of the virus and helps it dock onto a host cell. So this protein has a very crucial role. COVID-19 messenger RNA vaccines are administered to the upper arm muscle. Once the messenger RNA is inside the muscle cells, the host cells use them to start translating the messenger RNA code into the spike protein. After the protein is made, the cell breaks down the instructions and gets rid of them. Next, the cell displays the spike protein on its surface. The host immune system recognizes that the protein does not belong there because it's foreign to its body. And this signals to the immune system that this foreign body may pose a danger. It begins building an immune response and making antibodies, like what happens in a natural infection against COVID-19. But instead of a virus inside a host body producing the structures that elicit the response, it's the host's own body producing it, therefore saving the host from contact with the actual virus. Now let's take a look at the advantages of messenger RNA vaccines. These vaccines are new to the public, but they are not new to researchers. Scientists have been studying and working with them for decades. The technologies that are involved in making these vaccines are already quite common and widely used in the laboratory research settings. These technologies include DNA sequencing, which is pretty much coding for DNA, amplifying the sequence of interest, transcribing the RNA or making the RNA of interest, and purifying the messenger RNA. Consequently, there is a great interest in these vaccines because they can be developed in a laboratory using readily available materials and well-trained scientists and technicians. This means the process can be standardized and scaled up, making vaccine development faster than traditional methods of making them. 
And these messenger RNA vaccines have been studied before in flu, Zika, rabies, and cytomegalovirus or CMV virus, although none have been approved for commercial use. So once researchers in China released the gene sequence from the SARS coronavirus 2, and scientists around the world had the data from previous coronaviruses that identified the critical spike protein as a good target sequence for the vaccine, vaccine researchers had all the tools they needed to begin developing this vaccine early and quickly. The vaccine could deliver the messenger RNA instructions for spike protein to the host cells directly. These built-in advantages for messenger RNA vaccines help to combat some of the problems researchers and manufacturers have with getting more traditional vaccines to market. Because traditional vaccines use viruses or viral components along with bacterial ones, time at the early lab bench and process development involves working with live organisms. And because they are living organisms, a scientist has to work within the parameters of the organism's growth cycles, causing more time in vaccine development. It takes time to grow these organisms in dedicated cell culture or fermentation-based production before it is extracted, killed, separated, and purified. This involves a long and costly process. Even before clinical trials, investigators and manufacturers must show that the process is producing the same target vaccine consistently. And there's not just challenges in development, but also challenges in scale-up and manufacturing. For those that understand the approval process highlighted in Part 2 of this series, you realize that questions and concepts of how to scale bench processes into ready-to-market, full-fledged products are thought about, debated, and modeled long before the vaccine comes to market. One of the biggest challenges, aside from the safety and efficacy, 
or problems of cost that come with research and development and mass scale. And one unique problem with COVID-19 is scientists and manufacturers have to think about the overall strategy of development differently. The standard therapeutic involves targeting a chronic disease or disorder that involves a small population suffering from or predisposed to a disorder. But COVID-19, on the other hand, is a highly infectious worldwide pandemic bringing acute illness and death to a larger group of people. So these vaccines have to be safe, effective, and more quickly made than the standard therapeutic. Indeed, to develop and manufacture vaccine, you need vaccine-specific, dedicated production processes, production facilities, and well-trained technicians. Furthermore, investments must be made years in advance of vaccine approval. This means that all of the risk that comes with investing in vaccine development could be wasted if the vaccine ultimately fails. This in turn limits the vaccine targets that developers are able or willing to pursue. One would think at first glance that a new type of vaccine would present a problem with its manufacture. For one thing, the manufacturers do not have the advantage of years of making the same type of vaccine with the built-in know-how of implementing a production operation and building production facilities dedicated to producing a new technology to scale. After all, once the product is proven effective, producing an amount to mass scale in a safe, reproducible manner can take four to seven years. During this time, manufacturers are designing, building, validating, and licensing a manufacturing facility that can meet FDA guidelines. And then they begin producing mass quantities of the vaccine to get to market. On the production side, the process needs to be validated to ensure that the manufacturer can produce the vaccine lots that are consistent and reproducible while maintaining safety and efficacy. Developers have to ensure that they can produce the product that has passed clinical trials every time a lot is produced. So the processes have to have controls in place to ensure this. The process also has to have documentation to verify that the vaccine is formulated consistently and correctly and has to have a well-trained workforce that understands how to make a product in a manner consistent with good manufacturing practices or GMP guidelines and regulations.
But two things have worked in favor of these new vaccines. First, the pharmaceutical industry giants have long invested in ideas that help speed treatments to market. For the past 30 years, public-private partnerships have been used to greatly reduce the cost of bringing treatments through the preclinical and clinical stages of development. This has fostered the idea of collaboration between industry giants that have the finances, production plants, and institutional knowledge of how to bring treatments to markets. Smaller research laboratories and biotech companies with the new technology that turns old paradigms of vaccine development on its head can partner with industry giants bringing their own sets of strengths to the table. So collaboration is the solution to rapid deployment to take any new product from research and development through scale-up into a commercial product. This type of collaboration can be seen between the German biotech company BioNTech and the pharmaceutical giant Pfizer. Their messenger RNA vaccine has been authorized by the British government as of December 2020 and is in review at the U.S. Food and Drug Administration for emergency use authorization. But with any new technology like these messenger RNA vaccines, there are future areas of concern. The messenger RNA component of this vaccine is fundamentally unstable, and therefore these first generations of vaccine have to be kept under frozen conditions. For poorer countries that do not have the infrastructure and equipment to properly freeze and store these vaccines, this poses a problem for using these vaccines to inoculate their populations. Future consideration must be given to getting a more viable option to long-term preservation of this type of vaccine if it is to become the standard of the future. This is Dr. Desiree Barrett or Dr. Des to those that follow me on the YouTube channel is All Your Immunity with Dr. Des and at Twitter at Dr. Des Says One. And as always, I wish you health and some food for thought. And remember, Dr. Des says it's all your immunity.